At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. If you have not been watching The Chosen, you must. This is one of the best shows I think ever on TV and the best Jesus thing I've ever seen. Um, season three begins in theaters this November 18th. You don't want to miss it. The, the uh, theme of the season is come to me, all those who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Wow. What a timely message. In season three the, of The Chosen, Jesus delivers the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and what follows is the consequence of uh, being a follower uh, of the living Christ. The honeymoon is over. It starts to get ugly. This is so well done. Um, and I love the fact that all of the people aren't walking around. Well, I'm I'm St. Peter. And who are you? Are you James? Yes, I am James, sir. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Uh, The Chosen. Uh, Get your tickets now to see the premiere of The Chosen Season 3. Thechosentickets.com. Thechosentickets.com. Go there now. Crazy things that the guy who took a hammer to Paul Pelosi uh, had written just recently. Uh, And I saw how twisted this guy was. I was surprised to find out that he followed me on Facebook, apparently. I don't know it. I haven't seen it, but it's been reported that he was a fan of mine. Really? Is it the pro-Jewish stance? Or... What? What exactly is it this guy supposedly loved about this show? I have to tell you, what's happening to our country is just more division, and it's got to stop. I told you on Friday, if this guy is a lefty or a righty, he should go to prison, get the full, uh, you know, full force of the law, no matter who he is, what he is. But there's a chance he's... Oh, I don't know. Crazy. Now, we've had somebody else that was crazy that tried to kill a politician. His name was John Hinckley. Did we blame it on Jodie Foster movies? No. There are too many things that just seem wrong. I think this story 
is easy to explain. He's a nut job who used to believe he was Jesus for a while. He went even more crazy and he tried to kill uh, Nancy Pelosi, not Paul Pelosi. But what is the truth? Who do you trust to tell you the truth? Michael Schellenberger is uh, with us. He is the Environmental Progress founder and president. I know, sounds like something you're not into, but you should be. Michael Schellenberger is a guy who was a hero of the left until they started just taking things out of context and twisting them about global warming. He fell off that, uh, gee, we love you pedestal quite quickly. He lives in San Francisco. He has written the book, San Francisco, and he has spent the weekend looking into this story. We join Michael Schellenberger in 60 seconds. It's Halloween. Deep down in the filthy gutter where the rain and the leaves go down to die beneath the city. There lurks an evil clown. Just waiting for the day that you pass by a little too closely to his lair. He laughs a throaty evil little laugh and dances around in delight every time he thinks about what he's going to do when, not if, when he catches you on some dark and rainy day. Of course, that's just what he does with most of his time. The rest of his time is pretty boring, really. You know, he takes off his makeup. Hey, he puts his pants on just like everybody else. He goes shopping a lot. Ever since he got a wallet full of cash from the last guy he tried to drag into the sewer, he's been hitting the stores pretty hard. He's thinking, you know, maybe there's some other, you know, outfits I could wear besides a clown outfit. Anyway, uh, even a killer clown needs to be Pennywise. <laughs> anyway, download the free Upside app and use the promo code BACK and get 25 cents or more back for every gallon of your first tank of gas. You'll save money. 25 cents or more back for every gallon on your first tank of gas by using the promo code BACK. Download the free app. It's Upside. Do it now. Michael, how are you, sir? Great. Great to be back, Len. Yeah, thank you so much for all your hard work on this. Well, thank you for uh, having me on. I'm you, excited to talk about it. Uh, okay, so tell me, tell me what you have found. What's true? What's not true? Well, look, what we know is that this is somebody who, according to multiple witnesses, including the mother of his children, was struggling with mental illness for over a decade. We know he was homeless for a while. We know there was extensive drug use. You know, we mental illness, serious mental illness like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder are pretty rare, but we do see a lot of drug-induced mental illness, and particularly from methamphetamine use, but certainly other drugs over time can cause psychosis, which is, of course, the, the classic, you know, insanity of not being able to tell the difference between reality and your imagination. Mm. And so what's obvious here is that the alleged suspect in the attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband was in the grip of psychosis. And um, to blame political ideology is just what you said. It's the equivalent of blaming Martin Scorsese for making the movie Taxi Driver Correct. on John Hinckley Jr.'s attack on Ronald Reagan. It's, it's the... This, the the crazy ideas expressed in the blog posts of the alleged attacker of Pelosi 
are themselves symptoms of the underlying psychosis. It's incorrect to point to them as the cause. Uh, so it, I heard this morning that he is in the hospital or was this weekend. Were those for injuries or is he in a psych ward? We, I don't know. Um, I, it, it could be both. You know, I think if he's, uh, you know, if he, it, it wouldn't, he wouldn't be hospitalized long term if he's in the hospital. He'll be held. He'll be diagnosed by a psychiatrist. And we'll find out soon. I mean, I think that the good news is that we, the truth gets out. It was obvious to me because, of course, I'm very close to this. I wrote a whole book about this. came out last year. It was obvious to me as soon as I heard about who he was and started talking to his neighbors and his family members that this was somebody that was unwell and this was a result of a sickness. I was disturbed by how quickly even so-called mainstream journalists were to basically go and blame conservatives, blame Republicans, I'm blame Trump. Um, you know, if somebody were to be like, I read Michael Schellenberger's book and that's why I committed this crime, it would be inappropriate to, to blame me for that crime. And I think everybody knows that, but it, mm. it, in this toxic political environment, I think it's important to remind people of that. We never blamed Bernie Sanders ever. In fact, we were clear on day one that it wasn't Bernie Sanders fault that one of his supporters went and tried to kill all the Republicans in Congress. It's ridiculous. Of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, I was sorry to see it. I mean, basically, I had one episode in particular. There's a a reporter who supposedly, like, focused on disinformation at NBC News who came out and he tweeted at my my reporting and said, oh, um, my reporting had been debunked because there's all these blog posts showing that the suspect in the attack had written crazy things, including some right-wing things, but also things about fairies and demons. And I, I, I found it very disturbing because I, I, I have a hard time believing that that journalist didn't know that what was driving the suspect was, psych, was mental illness or psychosis. It really appeared that he was deliberately misleading people in order to engage in partisan political behavior just 10 days before an election. And it's not, a just thing, it's not just on Twitter. I mean, if you watch Meet the Press yesterday, Chuck Todd's program on NBC, the whole program was basically dedicated to this topic. And at no point in any of the program did they even discuss the fact that the suspect was clearly in a psychotic state, suffering from delusions under long-term drug use. Instead, Chuck Todd um, made the whole show about political radicalization and ideas. And I just think that's terrible reporting. I think it's very partisan. I won't speculate as to the motives of the journalist, but it's well, either bad journalism or it's, it's motivated by politics. Is it worse that they did that or that when Kavanaugh, the guy from California, came to kill Kavanaugh, they didn't even report it on any of the Sunday morning shows? Well, I mean, that's the other thing, and I wrote a post about this yesterday, Glenn, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it's disturbing. I, I, I didn't really, I saw when the Kavanaugh assassination happened, of course, I, I paid attention to it. But I'll say this, there are many progressive and liberal people in my life who still do not know that there was a serious assassination plot against Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh because it was not covered Correct. in anything close to this. So just as you said, three days after that assassination plot was revealed, None of the Sunday talk shows wrote about it. The New York Times um, buried the story on page A20. 
The Pelosi assassination, alleged assassination attempt, was on the front page of the New York Times two days in a row. You know, and I'll tell you the other thing about it is that the 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 suspect in the Kavanaugh killing was clearly motivated by his pro-choice and his pro-gun control views. And his own lawyers last week said that he was mentally fit to stand trial. In other words, it appears, and again, there's still more information to come, and I don't want to get ahead of it, but it appears as though the suspect in the Kavanaugh plot was genuinely motivated by political fanaticism, not by mental illness, whereas in the Pelosi case, he clearly was driven by psychosis, mental illness, drug-induced or or underlying, we don't know, but the media basically reversed those two stories and did not, and, and covered the Pelosi plot attempt as though it were driven by political fanaticism rather than by psychosis. It really is incredible. You are from the area, Michael, and you were down. You were down there, right? Is, these are some of these interviews we've seen. Were, you were there, right? Is that? Is that I was. Yeah. I was. I mean, I think it's. Um, you know, I'm a journalist at heart, and so it's not that far from my house. And I went down there and I interviewed all the neighbors. I mean, I, I'll tell you a couple of shocking things. I I won't name names, but I was not impressed by the reporting of the other journalists. Um, good journalism is that you go and knock on all the doors and you interview as many people as you can. I was the only one doing that. Um, there was a lot of laziness here. There's a lot, and it's also the partisanship and the laziness are related because if you have the idea that this was, you know, a, a Trump supporter who went after Pelosi, then you don't want to go and get to the bottom of the other stuff. You don't want to go do those interviews. You want to stick with your little story. So that was um, that was part of it. And then, you know, like there's just it's a really, you know, when you get into it, Glenn, as you might imagine, it's a tragic story. I mean, it's it's drug use. It's pedophilia. The ex the the mother of his two kids is in prison for basically child molestation. She was crazy person. So she herself is something I think she probably has a personality disorder and also long term drug use. The kids are in that house. They apparently weren't going to school. I mean, this is a real, you know, it's basically a symptom of exactly the problems I described in San Francisco, which is that we've stopped enforcing basic laws. And when you stop enforcing laws against people that are suffering mental illness or or addicted to hard drugs, they don't get the help they need. And I think that's part of the lesson here is that this tragedy could have been averted if we enforced basic laws and mandated drug treatment and psychiatric care for the people who need it. Um, you know, it's not that every time someone you arrest somebody for breaking a law that they have to go to prison or they have to be punished. Certainly some people do, but other people are just sick. And I think, the tra- I think what we'll discover as, as time goes on is that the suspect in the Pelosi attack was somebody who was very ill and needed to get treatment mandated many, many years ago, but didn't get it because we're in the grip of frankly, some pretty radical left uh, political ideas. Did you see the uh, op-ed um, by, uh, gosh, who was it? Um, uh, shoot, uh, lost his name. The guy who wa- who just wrote um, this weekend about the, you know, op-ed about Tom Cotton at the New York Times and how, yes. yeah, he, he he's, a, he's an op-ed columnist and he even yes. didn't say anything about it. He said, because we were afraid to when yes. you said a minute ago that you know they don't want to find it yeah how many are afraid to
to do their job in in journalism? Well, I was afraid. I mean, I think there's a lot of, you know, you know my story. I mean, I came from the radical left. I consider myself a moderate. I'm an politically independent. But yeah, I mean, I was afraid on everything. And, you know, partly you worry about losing your friends. You worry about upsetting your family. You worry about no longer being able to make a living. And, you know, what you're describing is a column by Washington Post reporter Eric right. Wemple, yeah, who Wemple. writes a media column. And, and he basically, to his credit, mm-hmm. um, there was an ambivalent reaction to it, interestingly enough. But basically, to his credit, he came out and said it was wrong for the New York Times to fire its op-ed page editor, who ran, of course, this op-ed by Senator Cotton arguing for the use of the, of the National Guard and U.S. troops to put down the riots. Well, he was not only did the New York Times, because of the outrage by its woke journalist staff, they basically denounced the op-ed. They fired the op-ed page editor. Everybody watched this happen and knew it was wrong. And, you know, so to his credit, whatever it was, like two years ago now, um, this columnist of the Washington Post said that that was wrong. You know, I think it's good that, you know, it's better late than never. And he's one of the first people to say it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost a, it's a kind of, um, yeah, it's social fear. You're worried about your friends and your family, but it's also a financial fear. Like, am I going to get fired from my job? You know, this is, um, this is really serious stuff. And I think that the partisanship, and you always emphasize this, I think it's so important you know, we need to allow disagreement in our society. We need to appreciate and reward it. I always kind of, I'm always shocked by how many people, instead of being like, oh, I disagree with you, they're like, you should stop saying that. Right. 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 We're with Michael Schellenberger. We're going to get some more facts on, uh, I've just got a few questions on just the facts on what's true, what's not true. Uh, and then uh, I also want to talk to him about this push by the Democrats to nationalize our gas and oil. Hello, Venezuela. We'll go there in 60 seconds. Tracy wrote in about his experience with Relief Factory. He said, you know, the first time I encountered the evil clown, I just ran away and everything was fine. I was pretty sure he grabbed my wallet, so that sucked. But I was happy to get away with my life, you know, instead of being dragged into that... Uh, into that dream but then he just kept coming after me every day over and over on my way to work and i had to keep running you know eventually my knee my knees and my lower back were so sore from running from the killer clown that i could barely get up in the morning then i heard about relief factor and that voice came from the radio not from the sink in my bathroom i'm still coming close to death every day with the clown thing but boy do my knees knees and back feel better Thanks, Relief Factor. Well, thank you, Tracy, for writing in, especially on this Halloween day. $19.95, a dollar a day. It's a trial pack. So if you have some crazy clown chasing you, get out of pain. Relief Factor, 800, the number four relief. 800, the number four relief. Get the 1995 three-week quick start developed for you at relieffactor.com. 10 seconds, station ID. So um, I think, Michael, because you have experience in your family with schizophrenia, I think it was your aunt. Yes. Yes. Um, so you've seen it firsthand. Can you? Well, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Of course, you know, when you're a child, you know, and, and, and you know, she, she would say 
crazy things, you know, and so your parents have to explain to you what that what's going on. And it is a little scary. Of course, it helps to have your parents there to kind of talk you through it. But yeah, she thought that the president of the United States, I think at the time it was Ford or yeah, I think it was Ford and Nixon that they were communicating with her directly through the television set. You know, so I think there's there's a reaction that people have to this case where they go, okay, maybe he was psychotic, but there's all these terrible conspiracy theories out there and those need to stop. Well, no, (laughs) first of all, there's like, we have freedom of speech and and that means that we actually let people have conspiracy theories. We let people believe all sorts of things. That's a point of a free society. So the idea that we're going to get rid of certain ideas is a very bad road to go down. But the more, the other thing is just that psychotic people will always find some justification for their behaviors that's different than suggesting that those are the motivations. I do think this is something that people can get, but they have to think about it for a minute, which is that, and we know this is true for everybody, right? Is that like, you have a motivation to do something, but you might give a different reason for why you did it. Well, people that are psychotic, they give crazier reasons often, but in many cases, like I look at this case and I suspect, Glenn, that what we'll discover is that this is somebody who was, you know, he's lost, he... Right. Lost his wife and kids. Um, he didn't wasn't able to hold down a good job. He was using heavy drugs. His motivation was probably to somehow make his life better. As crazy as that sounds, no, I know. to be a hero or something like that. He had some story in his head about how he was going to become a hero for. This is how often these guys think by making this attack, and that that's ultimately what was driving it. Not not like. You know, not some yeah. political radicalization. So I, but I, there are some, there are a few things about the story that I don't know if they're true or not. I, I, you know, I, I look at these things, and the reason why we have a plethora of conspiracy theories is because we no longer trust the media, we no longer trust the government to tell us anything close to the truth, and then there are these things that just kind of hang out in the air, and nobody explains them and it doesn't fit in with the with the storyline that the media is is uh going for first of all does does that make sense to you you think that's right yeah sure i mean look here's here you know the media they're they're partisan now right and maybe maybe they've always been although i do think there's no doubt that it's gotten worse yeah much worse so when this happened, okay. they rushed to make this a story about why you should not vote for Republicans. I mean, it's just so right. tragic. So I just want to check some things off of a list and see if you've looked into them or if you think they're valid questions. Uh, and then I also want to talk to you about the nationalization of our oil and gas. Boy, that sounds like a really bad idea. We'll continue with Michael Schellenberger here in just a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. You thought he was dead? You thought the evil clown was finally dead? All the evil giggling coming from the storm drains had just stopped? No more big floppy shoe prints in the mud? No more flowers squirting water in your face? You thought the nightmare was finally over until... One day you realize that your whole life, all your personal information, your identity, your money, had all been stolen. Yes, that lurking, creeping, crawling creature of the night had become something worse. 
no longer a clown, but a cyber criminal. <laughs> Get 25% off your subscription right now to LifeLock. Sure, they can't help you if you're being dragged into a drain, but cyber criminals, top of the line in security with both preventative measures to keep you safe and access to a restoration team if you do end up having your information hacked into. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock by Norton is the best in my opinion. Join now, save up to 25% off your first year with the promo code BECK. 800-LIFELOCK, 800-LIFELOCK or lifelock.com. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn is the place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. Use the promo code Glenn. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. We are back with Michael Schellenberger, uh, who has been doing, he spent his whole weekend really digging into uh, the uh, story of the Pelosi uh, break-in. I, I just want to tick off a couple of things here with you, if you don't, if you don't mind. Uh, I'd like to just ask you if uh, a few things. If you think uh, these things are material at all, if there's if there's reason to uh, look into some of these things. For instance, it doesn't bother me that. You know, they first said they were in their underpants and then later said that they weren't in their underpants. Does it matter to the story, do you think? Well, we just don't. Yeah, I mean, it, it will matter, but we just don't know. we got to wait until the investigation is complete and we're and we're in a court hearing. So so. Uh, OK, but how do we get that answer if they're OK? Well, I'll just leave it at that. Um, is it, um, is any of this stuff with his, you know, uh, his, I guess his website, uh, being updated and switched over into his name here recently, and then everything being posted on the 24th, but made to look like it was posted over a long period of time. Does that, is there anything to that? Does that bother you? I, it's, it's, it's. Weird. I just don't think we know yet. I mean, I think we're going to I think we have to have some confidence that we'll find out. And I, I think it'll be hard for there to be. I, I think there's concerns about a kind of conspiracy by law enforcement or the district attorney. And that's just very hard to pull off when there's going to be a lot of evidence that both the defense and the prosecutors are going to be demanding. Is there uh, does it bother you that somehow or another there was like the security was turned off? I mean, this is. Would you say this is a Capitol Police failure or Secret Service? I mean, he's she's number three in line, and I know they have serious uh, United States government security. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I mean, here's the thing you have to keep in mind is that, you know, a homeless, mentally ill guy a, a physically attacked Governor Gavin Newsom of California. Um, you know, as you mentioned, January 6th, there was a Capitol Police failure. So, uh, you know, security... Yeah, it's, it's, not, not it's often always. not that good. And, yeah. you know, honestly, I've seen guys on methamphetamine do crazy, amazing things. <laughs> so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he got through security. OK, so let me uh, let me take you uh, to the other story uh, and that I don't think people are talking enough about. Uh, and that that is the idea that the Democrats are talking about nationalizing and urging the president to nationalize oil and gas. 
And I think this could become popular quickly, and it's extraordinarily dangerous. Well, absolutely. I mean, what I documented is that a former Obama advisor and uh, somebody who is known as being a moderate named Jason Bordoff at a conference last week floated the idea of nationalizing oil companies. Now, he then later said, oh, I, I didn't explicitly say nationalizing, but what he said is, that the government should, quote-unquote, strand assets. That's a little bit of jargon for basically make oil company assets worthless so that the government then can buy them at a low price or take Jeez. control of them. <laughs> now, it's not good, and, and, it's, and there is a long history of it. And, you know, there are, they justify it as saying, well, these things are done during wartime. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the record of nationalizing oil companies like the way Venezuela and other countries have done it is very scary. It's terrible for the economy and, frankly, a, a direct threat to, you know, private property rules. So it is something that we should be concerned about. So what are the odds of this happening, do you think? Well, I think it'll depend on what happens in the midterms. I mean, I think the thing you have to keep in mind is that there was a big poll that came out that showed that I think 64% of the public does blame Biden for high oil prices. I think they, you know, there's been an effort by Democrats to somehow say, oh, Biden's not responsible for it, even as he goes and begs the Saudis and the Venezuelans to produce more oil, um, even as he releases oil from our strategic petroleum reserve in an effort to reduce prices. So, Look, I think that after this, I believe that the Republicans are going to take the House and they may very well take the Senate. And after that, the Democrats are going to have to moderate because they've just gone so crazy to the radical left over the last two years or longer. I think they're going to have to moderate because I just think it's not viable to take on all these very extreme positions. And do you think the radical left, because I I mean, I, I, I fear the left is actually got them by the throat uh and uh you know they, they have all the strings of the street protests and the violence and are they gonna let the left and right moderate yeah i mean look the radical left is going to be the radical left and they're going to be demanding those things but at the same time there's people in the democratic party that want to win and so you saw biden very quickly say that we should fund the police not defund the police because they knew it was a complete political disaster all this anti-police rhetoric so yeah at some point it's basically a contest within the democratic party between people that want to win and want power and the people that are you know fanatics and there, there's always going to be fanatics, but there's also people that want to remain politically viable. Michael, does it appear to you at all um, that there are some uh, in Washington that appear to be itching for a war? Uh, you know, we, we're the streets are on fire in Europe because the people are standing up saying, OK, this is nuts. And if this means that we're going to war, we're getting out of NATO uh, things are really, really shaky. And, you know, the the two countries with the most weapons both seem to have an itchy trigger finger or a or, a, a you know, a, a spasmodic eye. Yeah, of course. I mean, everybody should be concerned when, you know, two nuclear armed countries are fighting a proxy war in Ukraine. I'm not sure what we can do about it. You know, obviously, I think everybody wants to see peace. We also don't want to see powers like Russia and China just go invade other countries. And so that's always been a problem. 
But yeah, I mean, look, I think we're civilization is in crisis and we need to affirm the fact that we have this beautiful liberal democracy. We have a a mixed economy that's uh, market capitalism and we also have some entitlements and we have a role for government and we need to get back to some some basics, some basic moderate principles. You know, the United States is we're still blessed. We still have abundant energy. We have a, a country that assimilates immigrants and and we've just gotten some extremes that have pushed the country into really dangerous directions that I think yeah. We need some transcendent moral leadership at this point. It's a, a little terrifying to me to hear them talk about, um, you know, nationalizing gas and oil. That 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 was the end of Venezuela. They also have plenty of oil and natural resources that they could exploit. And they're just not because government is not a good operator. That's right. And the government has, you know, look, the government, people always say, well, what is the government's role? I mean, look, the government decides how many oil and gas permits on public lands and offshore water to give oil companies. Biden has done fewer, has leased less land and less offshore water than any president since World War II. And there is a, he is waging a war on the oil and gas industry, and oil and gas are the fuels of modern civilization. It's very disturbing. So I think we need to, you know, I think there will be a, a big change after the election because I think they're going to, I think the Democrats... Um, it's going to become clear that they've just become too extreme. I, I don't, I mean, wokeism, the radical wokeism that we're seeing is genuinely a threat to civilization. At the same time, the backlash against it, this, you know, the, the pushing of trans ideology on the kids, the climate extremism, the war on oil and gas, I, you know, the, the, the politicization of mental illness. People are sick of it, and I think we want to come together as a country around some basic principles of civilization, which at the end of the day are cheap energy, law and order, and meritocracy. If you don't have those things, you don't have a civilization. Michael, thank you so much. Best to you. Keep safe. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Michael Schellenberger, um, uh, who I just think is – wasn't he on our first climate special at CNN? Gosh, was he? I don't even remember. I think he was. I think he was. I because he, he was he was the Time magazine environmentalist, you know, uh, you know, of the decade or the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they loved him at mm-hmm. the time. He wound up doing I, th- I thought the first time I became aware of Michael was his work at, working as an environmentalist to saying, but, you know, hey, nuclear power is something we should probably right. consider here if we're serious about. Correct. This. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it may, And, you know, if you don't. If uh, if you don't look follow him on on Substack, he's got a great Substack where he writes about this stuff. Oh, all he's the time. really good, really really good, and really really in depth. You know, someone who actually bothered to take his weekend to go down there and talk to the people around and the neighbors home to know what was going on. We have you know newspapers with multi million dollar budgets that pay reporters who just went through his Facebook and looked for things on the right and are just reporting those. Where Michael, but, who wait, I don't down, even know if they did that because it was or, taken, mm. it was taken off. So they just reported what whatever Secondhand. was given to them. Exactly. There's so much uh, the laziness he hit on earlier is so key in reporting right now because 
you know, Twitter is good for a lot of things, but one of the things it's bad for is it just gives reporters a database that they can just search and look for tweets about the topic that they're talking about. This is why you always say you hear these stories and then they're constantly peppered with stuff like one Twitter user said, what's that? Who, who the hell cares what one Twitter <laughs> user said? I know. Why would that be at all relevant to anyone's understanding of a story? Right. Right. But it's the nice, easy, lazy way to do journalism. Unlike what Michael had to do is actually walk through a neighborhood, talk to people, knock on doors, try to understand the big picture rather than just the, the one that they want to to push forward. So I, kudos to him. And it, it, his Substack is well worth your time. Uh, we have somebody else who worked all weekend on a couple of stories. Uh, and one of them is what happened in Nancy Pelosi's house. We're going to talk to him coming up at the top of the hour. Stand by. You know... <laughs> every, why are you laughing? No, I just these are. It's Halloween. I forgot. These are again frightening. Every, every time you start one of these, I I forget that it's Halloween, and then it, it reminds me with the scary music. Every night when you lay down and close your eyes, it's anyone's guess what's going to try to get you in your sleep. Could be some creature of the dark with claws as sharp as meat hooks that will crawl inside your dreams and haunt them. Maybe in the hallways of your mind, they will be stalked by an axe-wielding maniac. Worst of all, maybe you'll find yourself standing in front of everyone you know, only in your underpants. Sounds to me like you kind of need a good night's sleep, you know, and uh, yours and my pillow. Mike Lindell. I know they try to paint him as a scary guy, but he's really not. And he's got a special on his Giza Dream Sheets that you don't want to miss. They're 60% off. And that means they're as low as $39.99 with the promo code BACK. Just like everything else MyPillow makes, these sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. A guarantee that you're not going to need, quite honestly, at MyPillow. Click on the radio listener special square and check out the flash sale on the Giza Dream Sheets along with other limited-time offers. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but enter the promo code Beck or call 800-966-3117 for these great radio specials. Stay informed. Sign up for the free newsletter today at glennbeck.com. There is something that we haven't talked about with the elections that are very, very positive. Uh, Daniel Horowitz points it out. He's got a story on theblaze.com right now. Uh, the coming state legislative tsunami. Will Republicans capitalize on it? And what he talks about is that there is, um, they're almost guaranteed to have 30 governorships, the GOP. Chance of collecting 35 to 37 if it's a tsunami, okay? By winning the governorships in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Kansas, they automatically earn four more trifectas where they have, you know, total control uh, of the government, which is fantastic, really, truly fantastic, uh, because that's what's going to be able to shut down the federal government is if these states start banning together 
And we have told you for the last couple of years, the only way to really stop this is locally. If everybody goes out and votes, you could have that done. That would give them 31 states where they can get legislation enacted into law without Democratic obstacles. 31 states. Mm. Federalism. Yeah. Working. I, have you ever wondered why federalism is called federalism when it actually means localism? Or, I mean, <laughs> that's why? a good point. Really good. Federalism. No, that's not the right word for it. I mean, technically it is. It is, but, but yes, uh, it kind of does have a little bit of a weird uh, back and forth there. But yeah, I, I, it's it's a big deal. I think one, one of the things I've been thinking about, about lately when it comes to these elections is it's important for people to realize it's the first time you've been able to hold your governor responsible for what happened it is in during covid yep and that means on the good side and the bad side like i think ron DeSantis is is reaping the benefits of that right he's going to probably win this race by high single digits low double digits which is an amazing win in in a, in a, in a yeah didn't he win state. by like 0. 0.3 yeah, 0. 0.3 or 0. 0.4 yeah last time so this would be a big deal and the same, I think, should happen in you know states like Michigan. I think you're seeing signs of a potential upset there, which would be uh, jaw-dropping to where we saw Gretchen Whitmer not that long ago as one of the rising stars of the Democratic Party. Uh, Andrew Cuomo was the most popular governor in America at one yeah. point, and now he's long gone as well. So I think we do complain often about Republicans in Washington, correctly so. Uh, but we should also step back and think about the considerably better job governors in each state did during all of this. Most of them did a pretty good job uh, trying to walk the lines. They, we weren't always happy with, you know, no. with our state's governor. And even at the in beginning, like you Texas, understood. But, I forgive them all for at the very beginning. There's some grace, I think, to be yeah. allowed in the early moments. But uh, generally speaking, I think, I mean, you know, look, I, I went out to dinner inside indoor dining on may 1st 2020 i've said that to friends who live in blue states and they their jaw drops to the ground yeah you were indoor dining on may 1st 2020 yes some people yes i was still won't go out yeah i mean it's become a psychosis yeah it really has um all right we'll have more on the election and a couple of very important stories when we come back the glenn back program